When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Just today, yes, or two, two, a few days ago, we played classical music for them for the first time. You mm. should have seen, it was amazing. So I turned it on. They had been scampering around. I turned it on. They all spun around, mm. fa- faced the speaker, yeah. stared at it and got super calm in a really happy way. Then they settled in and mm. went to sleep. And right. so that's the kind of stuff that just happens all day long. And it is, you see them maturing right in front of you and you see them, they start to make way more eye contact. Once they know me and know us, they run to us faster. They make a ton more eye contact. And that kind of interspecies connection, there's something crazy about how satisfying connecting with another is. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras, and now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. Action Tribe, are you finding it hard to de-stress and unwind in the midst of this crazy pandemic? Come join us for a soothing, relaxing breathwork session online on Zoom. Now, I do these sessions for our paid members twice a week, and I've received so many powerful testimonials from people who have received a lot of support, comfort, and healing from these sessions. And to show you just how powerful these yogic breathwork practices are, every month I do a breathwork intro workshop for people who'd like to give this a shot. In the past, people have paid anywhere between $10 to $20 for a drop-in, but for a short while, I've decided to make these sessions available for just 50 cents a ticket. And these sessions are live, but you just pay 
50 cents. So if you'd like to learn how to calm your mind, relax your nervous system and experience deep states of bliss using your breath from the comfort of your home, visit my7chakras.com forward slash breath work intro. That's my7 is a word, my7chakras.com forward slash breath work intro. I'll see you soon. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My7Chakras, my7chakras.com, the place where we help you calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and help you experience bliss. Today's episode, we're going to talk about some amazing topics such as puppies, adopting dogs, and the unique bond that we share with these animals, and why it's so important, especially today, in the midst of this uh, situation that we find ourselves in, to remember the importance of this connection. And if you'd like to explore such conversations and more at your home or even while in transit, then make sure that you hit the subscribe button, subscribe button on your iPhone. Or if you're listening to this on Spotify, then make sure that you hit follow because that does something to the algorithm that allows our podcast to be in front of new listeners and new viewers. So hit subscribe or follow and let's get it on. With that being said, let's bring on our special guest for today, Kathy Callahan. Kathy is the author of 101 Rescue Puppies, One Family Story of Fostering Dogs, Love and Trust. With the gift for capturing the moment in both words and images, Callahan brings readers inside the poignant and ultimately uplifting work of fostering. Now, this inspiring read is indeed about puppies, but it also is about family and human connection. It's about finding your own way through that one special thing you can do to light a candle instead of cursing the darkness. So welcome to our show, Kathy. Thank you so much. Delighted to be here. Likewise, really excited to explore this topic and something that we haven't really uh, explored in the past. Now, we've brought on a guest who works with horses Mm. so is able to connect with the horses and then use that sort of connection to help people heal and alleviate anxiety but animals do something special for us right they absolutely do there's no question i think i think the real fundamental part of that is that it keeps you very much in the moment you know, the animals are not worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. They are not stressed out about what happened yesterday. They aren't beating themselves up about, you know, not having a great online presence. And I know they're just not worried about stuff. So when you are with them and you yeah. are in a relationship with them, it helps do that to you too. Um, and the other things are a little more, you know, they also just get you outside, uh, mm-hmm. particularly uh, dogs uh, get you outside. You've got to go out and walk and, you're outside, you're breathing the air, you're hanging out with the trees, you're noticing birds, you're with your friend, your dog, and it helps you to live more in the moment, let go of the stuff, the swirl in your head. And when you live that way, like we do with all these dogs all the time, I just, you know, our blood pressure is really low, our whole family, you know, it's just, it's, um, it's a path to peace, if you ask me. Yeah. In preparing for our interview, I ended up searching a bit on YouTube and what happens on YouTube is the algorithm kicks in. Right. And so it sends you all these wonderful videos 
right. viral videos of dogs and cats. And what I noticed was that dogs have a sentience. They have an intuition that whenever you're sad or maybe you're pretending to be sad, right? Maybe the owner is crying, pretending to cry on the corner. The dog comes to you and then nudges you and cuddles with you. And it knows that, you, that you, you're experiencing sadness, right? I mean, sure. I don't like the whole pretending. To, I guess they're trying of to course, show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I th I th don't do that to your dogs, you know. Um, but sure, they. I mean, they're just a fellow being living with you, and if you are connected, they absolutely sense everything that you're going through. And that's one of the reasons that when you're training a puppy or working with a a dog who has some issues, you got to check where you are because. Um, what you're feeling is going to go straight through the leash uh, to that dog. So one of the best things to do if you're about to start training is take a deep breath, figure out where you are, and make sure that you are ready to connect with your dog in the right way and that your head is not swirling about, oh, my gosh, I don't have time to do this. I got to go run the kids over. I've got, I've got uh, that work project. If you are doing that, you're not going to be able to connect the right way to your dog. But, yes, absolutely, they tune into you beautifully. So uh, let's start from the very beginning. Where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? So I had a great childhood, I have to say. I um, kind of one of those dream little childhoods. So um, I grew up in that my parents were um, born in Iowa on farms. They were childhood sweethearts. And then they moved around and I was born in Michigan, moved to uh, Minnesota and then Illinois, and then Pennsylvania. And my family is still in Pennsylvania, and I'm in Virginia now. But it was just a um, your regular old suburban lifestyle, parents, uh, siblings, pets, all good. And the pet thing did start early for me. So we always mm. had cats. And then I was so animal obsessed that we ended up with things like gerbils, uh, who then procreated. And then I would be giving all my gerbils to the Girl Scouts in my troop and such. So we started this, <laughs> I started this path early. <laughs> so earlier on, did you ever think that you'd be a dog trainer or a foster mom looking after all these different dogs at your home? Did you ever have that intuition? So I, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a vet. Um, like all animal loving kids, I wanted to be a vet. Um, I did not adore science, however. And my mom thought being a vet would be too sad. She thought, um, you know, she didn't tell me not to, but she just counseled me. She's like, you know, you get very involved with these guys and um, being a vet might be really sad. I don't know if that's true or not, but the science thing stopped me from it anyway. And then, and then I just kind of, um, I, I did not pursue on purpose this animal thing. I'm not a huge planner and all the stuff that has happened around the dogs has been absolutely organic. It's just me taking one small step at a time toward things that bring me joy. And mm. here I am now, all these years later, having quietly one step at a time, one inch at a time, built a love and an expertise in an area that makes me endlessly happy. There is nothing like fostering these dogs, getting them off to an amazing start, matching up with the right family, carrying them through. Now, I, I did become a dog trainer in the middle there just because I ended up, you can't help it. You end up learning so much and then then you right. study. Um, and so 
working with these families and seeing the joy build between them as they've gotten this little puppy from you and you're strangely connected to these people because it's family. You know, I've loved this puppy. They love this puppy. We connect, they send, they text me pictures of how happy they are with this pup and we share this big thing. And then I can help them on that journey as they, as any questions arise. And it, the whole thing is, it's a weirdly satisfying way to connect with people who are strangers. You know, I feel closer to some of my adopters than I do to, to, to people who I should feel closer to because there's a strange intimacy. Dogs are right at the heart of your life. They're at the heart of your family. So mm -hmm. when you connect over them, you're right there. Right. Well, it seems like you are a joy giver, right? It's like the dogs come into your life and then you nurture them, you look after them, you foster them, and then you find the right families for them to go to. Right, so you're bringing joy to all these wonderful people's well, lives. They're bringing joy to. I'm just all I'm doing is facilitating. They're the ones bringing the joy. Yeah, you're facilitating, but does it have? Does it ever get challenging? Because then dogs come into your life, into your family's life, and then they develop a bond. Right, sometimes, especially if it takes time for the dog to find their forever home. Yeah. So is it so, hard to let go? So, so that is the big question that people ask us is, how do you do it? We know you love dogs. I love dogs. I, the people will tell me, I love dogs. I could never give up, you know, take one in and then give it up. Um, and that, of course, was our concern when we first, we took in our first two foster puppies eight years ago. And we did it because one of our dogs had died and we were feeling sad, uh, but we weren't ready to take in a new real dog for our pack. And somebody said, you should try fostering. So we thought, ah, we could do that. But we were all worried. We would, we couldn't give them up. So seriously, I said to the woman, give us dogs we won't really like, which of course is kind of ridiculous. Uh, but, um, but they did give us dogs that aren't our type. They give us tiny little Boston Terriers and we are, we, we were back then big dog people. Well, of course we love them. And we just fell hook, line and sinker for the experience of fostering right then. And so we took in another and then another. And later that year, we took in our first litter, mama with nursing puppies. And that's really the sweet spot for me is I love to give a mom a place to safely raise those puppies. And the thing is giving up those puppies is not, uh, the first five, I cried the night before because you do love them. The second they get in your house, you do love them and you feel a responsibility to them and they have settled in so nicely with you. And then you feel terrible that you're about to boot them. You know, it helps that there's a lot of, you're careful about who they go to. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's going to go someplace good because you helped pick that place, but still you feel like you're about to betray them. So I used to cry. Um, however, we are now 184 dogs in and I do not cry anymore because I know that three days later, I'm going to start getting texts of pictures of that puppy mm. so enveloped in his new pack that it, it's just this lesson I get over and over and over again that this is just the role we're playing. This is exactly what's supposed to happen. We are just the conduit. They just come in. They come through. We're here as a landing spot for this tricky moment in their life. And then they move on and they're supposed to be somewhere else. And it's delicious to play that role. And I don't, somebody asked me the other day if, if we ever kind of resent, you know, we see these dogs that we loved and that loved us and then we see them super happy with someone else. 
we do not that feel nothing feels better than that nothing feels better than seeing them super happy and those people super happy um it's you know it's not that easy to make joy for people you know and this little tiny matchmaking thing you know so often people are suffering and there's so much going on in the world that you wish you could help and you can't it's too big you can't yeah. fix covid and you can't stop climate change all by your little self but this is a tiny little thing that our family mm -hmm. can do and so it makes you feel um i don't know calmer better about the world um so um no it is not at this point it is not hard to let them go we know it's the right thing it feels terrific yeah i mean it it seems like through this vocation or this uh, this this uh, thing that you're doing for so many years you're getting an opportunity to practice um unconditional love and non-attachment right? right because we go through our lives and we get into a relationship and then we maybe have a breakup or we get a job and we lose our job but that's an opportunity for us to realize that uh, change is the only constant and sometimes just uh, demonstrating unconditional love and knowing that that puppy or that dog is you know, lighting somebody else's life up makes yeah. you feel good. It does. It does. And it, and the whole thing has ended up um, making me feel fine about rockiness in general, because through the fostering, there are ups and downs. You know, there are worries. There are medical worries sometimes. Sometimes adopters maybe seem like, that, you know, uh oh, that's not going to be great. And then it turns out to be great. And so through all of those stories, many of them, mm -hmm. it has ended up teaching me to just chill. It's going to be fine. And what it feels like is mm -hmm. that the universe has my back on this. Like this, it's not up to me. I don't have to take it all on. I don't have to take in all those worries. All I need to do is my little part, take my little steps and stop thinking bigger and it's it, that's all i can do and it guess what it turns out okay so in that lesson sort of gets bigger like the fostering I, teaches me that lesson but it does get bigger to the rest of my life um and it it becomes kind of a just a practice to to keep my eye on the part that is mine and just do that part interesting now you you got married because of a dog right <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we really did kind of. Um, so my uh, my dog, I was I, we were living in D.C. and um, I had my dog at the dog park and this tall, handsome man uh, walked through the park with his nephews on his way to see the Rolling Stones concert at RFK. And my dog, who usually only had eyes for me ran over to this guy and then i recognized him it was tom callahan who I'd, i had gone to college with and so yes we that that's what brought us together and then he had two do dogs at the time it was a big part of our courtship the dogs and of course it has become a big part of our life there's actually a, a joke he's um he he has done he was working on the hill and politics mm. and stuff i had nothing to do with that and so his one of his co-workers was like geez, what do you guys talk about? And he's like, well, dogs. And we just laugh because 25 years later, we just had our anniversary. That is still the answer to the question. What do you guys talk about? Pretty much we talk about dogs a whole lot of the time. Yeah, that is so interesting. I think dogs in a way have a tendency to play matchmaker. 
right? They, they absolutely can. They absolutely can. And it works out for them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. Okay, so that sort of, you, you know, led you to getting married and then you had all these wonderful, beautiful dogs. Um, and then you obviously told me the story about how you ended up getting your first dog. Uh, and in doing so, you also, as a family, made a pledge, right, to never adopt yeah. your own foster. So why is that? That's it. So, um, so uh, when we first started fostering, our kids were twelve and fifteen, okay. and um, we made a family decision that yes, we could foster. And we were worried about giving them up, but then my husband was worried about keeping them because he thought, you know, if we bring in all these fosters you know, I don't want every single dog to be this roller coaster the second they get in with one or the other of us saying, is this the one, is this the one begging and, you know, having conversations constantly about that. So that very night, I remember sitting around the dining room table, which is right below me saying, oh, you know what, that's exactly right. We're never going to keep one of, it's called foster fail when you keep a foster because you have failed to adopt it out. So it's called a foster fail. So we decided we're not gonna foster fail, we're just gonna foster these dogs. So we we did agree to do that. Uh, we, we did not stick with that pledge. So our, our first the our first litter um, was the following year and um, Nala was the mom. And when I was co-parenting with Nala for a month and we were raising these children <laughs> together, mm. I just felt so bonded to her. And um, right. however, I was well aware that I had made that commitment and I didn't, you know, I, I don't think you should take that stuff lightly. Like that was, we decided as a family not to do that. And I didn't want to screw that up. Um, but I remember I was down in the, um, we were down in the puppy den and Nala was cuddling with Tom, my husband, and she loved him and he loved her. And he said, you know, for this one, we have to find a really special home. And I said, well, and I got brave, you know, I was like, you know, isn't this a, a good home? Isn't this a special mm -hmm. home? He's like, well, honey. And it was funny because it truly hadn't crossed his mind because he had mm -hmm. been so clear that we weren't doing that. And then I and then I left it there. I was like, I know. Because truly, I had, you know, we had agreed that. The next morning he woke up and he's like, I am being dope. Of course we should. I we And I hadn't pushed him, but he was he just saw the light. Uh, so yeah. Uh, and she's delicious. She's in fact, she's right, right here with me. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, sometimes we take decisions logically, we make rules, but then the heart has a way of overriding those rules, right? Yep. Especially if it's for the good of everyone concerned, like yep. it was in, in your case, yep. because the dog knew that the dog sort of wanted to be with you. Yeah. And then you just you just decided, which is yep. which is wonderful. And so yeah. Go ahead, please. I think that's right. I th I do think it's important I, doing the work that I do. You do come across adopters who kind of laugh and say that they're pushing their spouse into this dog. Um, and I am just really careful to probe a little bit with that because I do think it is too big of a thing to be pushed into. Um, a dog is it's life changing. It, it will change the, the hours and the days of your life. And I think in a really wonderful way, but everyone doesn't agree with that. Everyone, some people feel stress um, coming from all the obligations that are tied up in nurturing and caring for a dog. And so, um, so I'm careful to tell that story because I, I do think um, 
it's you got to honor that stuff. If if somebody in the family does not want a dog or doesn't think they want a dog, surprising them and pushing them into it is not a great plan. So, mm. so at the moment, how many dogs are there at your home, and what does a day look like <laughs> in your household? <laughs> at, at this moment, we actually have nine, ten, eleven, twelve. We have twelve dogs and a cat which wow. is, I know, right? Just, it's just insane. And, you know, that's what happens if you take in a litter. It's not like we have that many giant dogs. We have three dogs of our own and mm. our cat. And then this week, this Monday, we took in a mama and her eight six-week-old week pups. And so six weeks, week, it doesn't get cuter than six-week-old pups. Like they are drunkenly stumbling around our yard and, oh. um, and our puppy done. And so- the day looks like, well, currently it's a little different because of COVID. So my sweet husband is sharing his home office with eight puppies right now because that's just where the puppy den is. So, um, you know, with these guys, it's just a lot of, um, it's a lot of cleaning, but it's, it's, mm. it's mostly just a lot of cuddling and interaction because our job, these are critical um, weeks for these guys. Our job is to teach them that humans are awesome and that there's nothing to be afraid of. And so we try to expose them to as many people as we can, which is a little bit hard right now, uh, but we try. So invite neighbors over and friends over to come in the yard. And then we try to stay six feet apart. And um, we have them come in and talk to these puppies because you want puppies to um, ideally by the time they're three months old, puppies have met a hundred different people, different people. And so you want them to meet all kinds of people, toddlers, grandmas, people in wheelchairs, people wearing hats, because there's a, something called a socialization window that starts to close at four months. And if they haven't seen it by then, they, they're gonna think it's a threat. That's what biology tells them. So your job when you have a young puppy is to, bombard them in a gentle way, in a positive way, with novelty. You want them to see new things and new people all the time so that mm. for the rest of their lives, when they see new stuff, their first thought is an uh-oh. You want that. You want them to look at the world like, ooh, it's great out there. I wonder what this great thing is. So that's my job right now is to, um, and it happens in little ways. Like I will rearrange their pen, um, little stuff like, I will change where the entrance of the pen is. I will change blankets. I will bring in a weird stuffed animal. I will bring in something that makes a funny noise. Just today, yes, or two, two, a few days ago, we played classical music for them for the first time. You mm. should have seen, it was amazing. So I turned it on. They had been scampering around. I turned it on. They all spun around, mm. fa faced the speaker, yeah. stared at it and got super calm in a really happy way. Then they settled in and mm. went to sleep. And right. so that's the kind of stuff that just happens all day long. And it is, you see them maturing right in front of you and you see them, they start to make way more eye contact. Once they know me and know us, they run to us faster. They make a ton more eye contact. And that kind of interspecies connection, right. there's something crazy about how satisfying connecting with s s another is uh, whether it's the hawk that's flying through my you know just sat on my fence and like met my eyes or a little puppy or 
Um, just any kind of cross species stuff is weirdly satisfying. When our cat runs through the puppies and right. decides that he's going to hang with them, somehow that's even more delightful than watching our adult dogs do it because you feel like they've bridged some gap and mm. it's satisfying. But then you think, wait, maybe there really isn't that gap. And I think that's the lesson that you keep feeling when you're around nature enough is, you know, maybe there's really not that big gap. And that's a really peaceful thought to settle into, I think. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, maybe the gap was always there, but we just forgot about the gap because we we're too busy looking into our phones or worried about our schedule, right. or worried about what people think of us. Maybe we right. are part of this animal kingdom and that right. this uh, microsecond connection that we have with a hawk or with a dog, with a cat. And sometimes when I look at cats, uh, I remember there was this one time where my sister's roommate had a cat and the cat had the way of looking through me. And cats, I think, maintain a very long eye contact. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that can be just this amazing thing to stare at them and just, it's transporting. And I really do think that it gets you somehow to the heart of things and the way that our busyness, our running around and stuff takes us off that path. And having that long staring contest with a cat puts mm. you in touch with something Universal, I think, that just feels great. That's very true. I mean, I'm starting to explore more about Tantra. And mm -hmm. one of the exercises that they do is is staring into another person's eyes, right? Because right. I feel that we don't do enough of that. And sometimes, right. obviously, when you do it too much, then it's like stalking. Right. <laughs> but the right amount of eye contact can be good. And especially like you've alluded to, when it happens interspecies, it's just this different... Um, sense of connection, which is yeah. which is wonderful. Um, now, the question I wanted to ask was, you said that there's a window, right, within which you ideally would want to um, introduce your puppy to as many humans as possible and get them to trust humans. What happens if that does not happen? What are the characteristics yeah. of a dog that does not trust humans? That's such a great question. So that is a very challenging 
thing to work through. What can happen? And here's the thing. It doesn't happen all the time. Some puppies are just robust and they can handle a deprived childhood and end up flourishing just fine. But it is a risk and you don't know which kind of puppy you have. And so what does happen if they haven't been exposed to things is that a super bouncy, happy puppy at eight weeks, if you then encounter them at five months, you will find that you can barely take them on a walk, that they're scared to go outside the house. They're scared to go down the street. Every They'll pull away on the leash because they want to run back home. Maybe they'll bark their head off at every single person they see. Or maybe it's not everything. Maybe it's just particular things. Maybe, you know, an airplane will make them go running off. Um, right. And what happens is your life gets really hard with that kind of a dog, really hard. So now you're in in rehab. Now you are not regular dog ownership. Now you need to work super hard all the time because the window is not open anymore. So now what you can teach in an hour when they're in their socialization window, an hour, like one exposure to a toddler, they will learn, I like toddlers, toddlers are great. Once you get past that point, if you've got a skittish dog at um, seven months, oh, you have to have that toddler and you introduce him slowly enough to make sure it's a super nice toddler. And now you need to have the toddler sitting down and holding still and then throwing hot dogs at the puppy, you know, gently. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, moving super slowly day to day. So it absolutely can be done and people do it all the time, but oh my gosh, I, you know, what we just say over and over again to our doctors is don't put yourself in that position. Do it early and mm. it's not even hard. Do it early and you don't even have to try. You know, you just have to do the exposing. You don't have to work hard to create that positive association. Yeah, that's very interesting because I always thought that the German Shepherd was a very aggressive sort of violent animal. And that was probably because this one point about 15 years back when I was a kid, I went to this home it was a large home like a bungalow or mansion and i think the owners are a bit old so did not have enough time to really play with the dog and train the dog for sure and when i went accidentally into the room the dog started barking so loudly yes and the whole room echoed with that bark and it kept barking and i sort of had a trauma i think i thought all the dogs were bad but yeah. I guess based on what you're saying, because I see YouTube videos where German Shepherds and Alsatians are so nice. They're so friendly. And well, I think they missed the window. That's, that's, that's very possible. Although it also could be that they just, uh, it could have been that if you had been introduced correctly to that uh, dog instead of surprising the dog. So I have a German Shepherd that she, it's one of our foster fails. It's our other foster fail. Right. Um, she is, German Shepherds do tend to be guardy like they are guarding the property a little bit. So I am careful to that nobody surprises her. If somebody, she's a very well-trained dog. She's a therapy dog now. She's got all her AKC little, des, you know, obedience things. But if somebody surprises her and comes mm. to the door, oh my goodness, it is quite loud here. But I can manage it. And so, you know, I'm just like, come on, Mojo. And you know, we work our way through it. But so that, that could have been what happened with mm. that. German Shepherd that you saw, or it also could be that that Shepherd really strangers can't be around her at all. I don't know. Yeah, that that makes me wonder, how do you get a dog to trust you? Let's say you're at a friend's home, the dog is seeing you for the first time. What can you do to sort of build a trust with the dog during the first few minutes so that 
something like this or something else does not happen? Yeah. So that is, that's such a great question. And a lot of the things that, um, that people do, and sometimes people will come up and say, oh no, I'm really a dog person. And they <laughs> kind of force themselves on a dog. The best thing to do is to always let the dog choose. And mm. so you can kind of offer yourself to the dog and just let the dog choose. Never force yourself. And that sounds so obvious, but it's, it is not obvious. People go straight in and go straight into touch dogs. And you just think about yourself. Do you uh. want some stranger to come and touch you? Mm. No. And so with dogs, what you want to do is tr turn a little bit to the side. Uh, yeah. Don't, don't be full on, not a ton of eye contact and bending over. So what I do is I crouch down, make myself a little smaller, kind of put myself to the side and then invite, uh, I might invite with my hand, just kind of put my hand out. Like you can come over. I do not shove my hand in the dog's face. I just kind of invite the dog. And then I talk. There's a lot of, a lot of people, um, it, talking is underrated. Dogs love it when you talk to them. And so just be like, hey, sweetie, would you go? Come on, you come over here. Come on. Like, mm. talk like that to the dog. Make yourself small, unthreatening. Invite with your body language and your voice, and they're going to be coming right over. Um, what you don't want to do is stomp right over. Sometimes men tend to be larger anyway. And if they're tall and they stomp over and they bend over on top of a dog, that oh, often scares dogs. And a lot of a lot of the dogs who come in through rescue rescue are scared of of men. And I think it's just it's just that simple. It's a deeper vo voice. It's taller. It just ends up looking a little bit more threatening. But my husband, who is six three. Um, he just knows how to get small, get on the floor, use his happy little voice, and dogs are all over him. So that is so interesting. Because I've seen a lot of people, especially if I'm doing work at Starbucks, and then you have a dog, right? Outside the cafe, uh -huh. and somebody notices a dog. I see a lot of people crouching down, just like you mentioned, and then offering up their hand so the dog can smell the hand, and then this yep. sort of becomes acquainted. Well, I guess that's a respectful thing to do in in doggy yeah. land <laughs> yes, it is. but uh so would you call this your calling and if yes uh when was that point when you realized that you know what this is my calling or my purpose <laughs> i do think this is my calling and um hmm, i don't know when i realized that i think um, probably somewhere in the first year that we were fostering, that all of this just felt so right, so natural, so very much who I am. Like none of it felt like a struggle. Even the things that were hard felt mm. right hard, you know, like things that I loved to think about and work through. Um, I am never bored with this ever. I am never done with this ever. And um, that is unusual. Uh, so let's, let's be clear though. Like this is not some, you know, this is volunteer work. This is mm. not, you know, the training has ended up being a job, right. job, but I mean, most of what I do, most of this fostering, this is just volunteer work. So my husband and I, this is a partnership, his part is supporting the family. And I, my part is bringing the dogs in so that we all have this fun. And he, and he's a huge part of our hanging out with these dogs and, and teaching them. Um, but anyway, I just, it's, um, I feel so very much where I'm supposed to be, which is funny because um, I wondered 
what these years would be for me because I was very much, I was a stay at home mom with my kids, with my girls. And mm-hmm. I didn't stress about it, but I did sort of want to, uh, long ago I had been in magazine publishing. I loved it. It was really fun. And I always thought I'd go back after the kids were born. And I just kind of yeah. didn't because the kids were just so interesting. Like there wasn't anything else that to me felt more interesting than hanging with them. And um, I just, the development of those little psyches. It's just interesting to me. I totally get people who would never want to do that. I really do understand that. But for me, Mm. it was super interesting all the way through. But then, of course, they were going to leave and go to college. And I did wonder what these years would be like for me. Would they be like dumb years where I'm just kind of like filling in the time somehow? I really, I wasn't sure. And so this was not a plan at all. This all just kind of happened. And honestly, I am now busier than I've ever been, more fulfilled than I've ever been um, in a, in a kind of selfish way. Like I was very fulfilled in the family stuff for sure. But yeah. this is more really, wow, I do feel like um, this, I feel like this is my highest and best use. I have a friend who talks about that. Like, are you moving toward your highest and best use? And I've done a bunch of different things. I've I've been a writer. I've been in publishing. I've been, I was a preschool teacher, which also was really fun. Also, a lot of nonverbal communication. Right. <laughs> so very similar. Yeah. Uh, but now this is what just feels wow, like it's all coming together, and I'm interested in every little part of it, and that's just fun. Yeah, I think they've done some research to find out what you know what fulfills a person, and there are a lot of people who are doing jobs that people would really be amazed by. They make a lot of money. Right. Deep down, they feel empty. They feel right. like they are not making a difference or not contributing to something that right. changes the world. And on the other hand, you might have people like me or you. And, you know, it's like we're doing something. There's, there are challenges. Right. But you know that you're working towards something. But more yeah. importantly, you know that you're bringing joy and happiness and bliss into people's lives. And I think that's the, the biggest blessing that you can ever have. You're influencing not just the dogs, but also the people's lives and the family's lives whose whose homes the dog is entering. And that is that's that's a role. That's a responsibility because then you need to ensure that you, the dogs go to the right home. And then there's a personality match. And then things don't get worse after that. The families are taking care of the dogs, right? So it's it's a lot of work, right? <laughs> right. right. And it and it and every little bit of that is absolutely fascinating to me. And I think what you're saying about um, I do think that's true. That a lot of people feel don't get that sense out of their job job. But I think yeah. it is important to understand that you can also get that out of a hobby like this. This is a hot for my husband, you know, yep. but, but, but certainly he gets so much out of it as well. I spend more time on it, but it's a huge part of what he does. And I, I, I think people don't underestimate the value of a good, uh, you know, a, per, a side pursuit. Obviously people need to support themselves and need to have jobs. And those jobs aren't always going to be the job that, you know, but if you can find a way that thing that you can do, even mm. if it's just on the side, that where you can tap into this joy, like the way I describe it is I feel like the fostering has, I've remodeled my house and added a window and outside of that window, it is all sunshine and light. And that stuff was always there, but I couldn't see it before because I didn't have the window. The fostering has given our family a window into this little like circle of good, this circle Mm -hmm. of good, all these volunteers, working so hard to get these puppies 
out of a risky spot and into a safe spot and then into a forever home. All of my friends and neighbors helping to drop off supplies and um, and coming to visit and help socialize and then asking their neighbors and their aunts if they need a puppy and um, and then the adopters coming through and being wonderful with these animals, all this stuff I didn't know about before and I never saw it. Wow. Now, now that is a daily thing. Like all of my emails, all my social media, all my texts, it's all happy stuff. Like, and mm -hmm. I, I would never have that window. I would just be bopping along in my little life and not having that access. And I just think, look for that access. You know, what is it for you that's gonna open that window where you're gonna see all this good stuff. Cause you know, it's, there's a lot of, if you watching the news, you're watching other things, it's easy to get a little down and feel like people are bad and nobody's connected and everything's sad. And, yeah. and it's, it's not true. There is yeah. sad stuff, but the other side of the story is also going on and to have a constant way to mm. be connected to that is pretty awesome. Yeah, I find that sometimes social media puts yourself into a bubble, right? Yeah. Like a window, you're looking at that person through the window of politics. That person might be a good person. Yes. Might be having a beautiful family, has made many sacrifices in life. But yeah. you're you're looking at that person through the, you know, the lens of politics, and then you go, unfriend. But then you've made such a big mistake because, you know, these politicians are not going to come to your rescue when things go wrong or when your puppy needs some help right. and right? your neighbors are going to come into help, but now you've let right. go of an opportunity because you're looking at your entire relationship through just one window and not, you know, because of social media. So that's 100%. I really think that's right. And to, to find some Avenue to connect mm. with people that normally you wouldn't connect with, like, let's say that I'm on a polar opposite, you know, political, thing that with yeah. some adopter i don't need to even know that about them and before i even know that we have become fast friends over this connector that yeah. becomes bigger it becomes bigger than the other stuff and it becomes very real and it's so positive this is such a positive way to be linked to people um right. caring about this lovely being that has those little brown eyes that looks like, I mean, that's just a wonderful way to be connected to people. And it helps you get past all that stuff that pulls us apart. The other thing about social media is I do, you know, I hate it too, but I need a long time ago, I realized when we first started fostering that I need to use it to find homes for these guys. So of course I, yeah. post, I over post all of these photos and videos and they're so cute. And originally I was just doing it to get homes for them. Mm. But then I realized that all these people are following the journey of these puppies and all these people, people I do not know, like my husband's work colleagues, aunt will be yeah. telling me, they'll shoot me a message and say, hi, yeah. you don't know me, but I just want you to know that I go to your page. You're the only reason I'm on Facebook. And I go to your page when I feel stressed, I'll be sitting at the office and I just want to check in on your puppies and I just want to feel better. And so that was the first inkling I had that, oh, it's not just me. Yeah. Other, other people love this story of these puppies and how they come from this rough spot and it all gets better. Like that's just happy. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it became super fun to share that with a ton of people. So that's what I was doing, posting mm-hmm. all that stuff on social media. And then it has, of course, turned into a book, which I hope does the same thing, which just gives gives the stuff that happens here is so happy. I mm-hmm. didn't want to keep it to ourselves. And so the book does the same, hopefully gives people a little sliver of yeah. what we feel. Um, it's got the best stories. It's got the most fun, most moving stories that happened to us. And it's easy to read. It's just pictures and then cute little chapters. And I'm just feel lucky to have something like that to share that can just make your day a little brighter every now and then, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something wonderful that you're doing. And have you heard about HRV, heart rate variability? Nope. So basically, heart rate variability, since I'm a breathwork instructor, we talk about this particular indicator, but basically it's an indicator for your cardiovascular health, right? And so when you're in the stressed mode, um, your body, your nervous system is in fight or flight. But when you do certain techniques like breathing, like yoga, like mindfulness, your body has a way of switching off that negative stress and switching on that rest and digest system, which is good for you, which helps you relax and rest and and digest your food. So I'm just curious if you're able to, you know, uh, give this monitor to your your adopters and say, hey, what's your HRV right now? What's your baseline? Right. And then few weeks down the line, now that you have that puppy, how has it changed? And you know, if you notice, you know, if you notice that an so increase. That would be so fun. <laughs> and I have enough people that I could actually do, I could do the science. Like we could actually yeah. do that. Oh, I think maybe we'll have to do that. Absolutely. And then you, you'll have like a, a metric, yeah. uh, quantifiable yeah. metric of saying, you know what, on average. Right. Even, <laughs> I mean, there definitely are. There are absolutely studies that show right. that, that dogs lower your blood pressure and all that kind of stuff, um, which anyone who has a dog is like, yeah, I didn't need a study to tell me that. Yeah. Right. So um, you sort of mentioned that these dogs go through a rough patch or some dangers or challenges before they come to you, right? What, what kind of danger are we talking about here? So mostly the the animals that come to us are um, at risk because they are from a shelter that is overcrowded, underfunded, and cannot afford to keep them there. And so over there are 3,400 brick and mortar shelters in this country, but there are 3 million dogs who come into those shelters. So if you think about that, even without doing math, you're probably going to go, huh, that sounds like too many. So that's where rescue groups step in. So private rescue groups like my, I've worked with a few different ones, um, but currently I work with Homeward Trails Animal Rescue here in Virginia. Um, They typically have relationships with shelters down south and the people who work at those shelters work super hard to get the animals out of there because they cannot keep them. There aren't enough people there to adopt them. Um, And so if you bring a, a dog from rural North Carolina up to the suburbs of Washington, D.C., Back in North Carolina, there was not one person who needed that dog. Come up here and there are 10 adopters fighting over that cute dog. So that's what rescue does is they pull them out of that situation Mm. and bring them someplace where they could be adopted. However, rescues usually can't afford the brick and mortar buildings. And so that's where fostering comes in. So they bring the animals up, but only if they can find somebody to, um, 
to house them until their their people make themselves known. And so that's what fostering is. So um, okay. every now and then the dogs that are coming in have been through something bad. Um, mine, because I specialize in nursing moms, typically what they've been through is just that they were stray and ended up pregnant and found, and I don't really know what they've been through, or maybe the owner found out they were pregnant and just gave them up because mm -hmm. they weren't ready to deal with, <laughs> with what was ahead. Um, but then there are other people who specialize in dogs who've been through some stuff. And um, those, those guys are my heroes. <clears throat> that is a lot harder, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, because, so whether it's behavioral or medical, um, you're going to have those dogs in your house a lot longer, which means you're going to love them a lot more. And they are mm -hmm. really going to become a part of you because the more you work hard with a dog and the more satisfying it is to see them making progress, the more yeah. it's going to be to give them up. But those people need to give them up because they're so good at what they do. You need them to be available for the next dog coming in. So those guys are the ones I just really admire. We only took in one dog who had um, serious behavioral issues and it was Wilbur, the feral beagle. Um, mm. So he's from um, an area where a lot of people sometimes um, take dogs for hunting and then just let them go at the end of the season. Uh, I don't like to talk about the sads. A lot of people are scared to read my book because they see the word rescue and they think, oh, this is going to be a sad book. My book is not a sad book. That's not the part that I focus on. And I don't, yeah, I don't, I just don't emphasize that side of the story. I like to emphasize the fact that there, the other side of the story is huge because everyone trying to help these dogs is amazing. But anyway, so the sad part is that this beagle was probably just given up by a hunter and left. So he was out with a bunch of other beagles living in his junkyard and oh. terrified of people. So this is you're asking what happens if they're not socialized. Well, this guy clearly had never lived in a home, never been on a leash, never had a collar on, none of that stuff. And so... Um, so he came into our house and our dogs did make him feel comfortable. He was used to being with dogs. So that part was fine with him. So he was all happy, he trotted on in to see our dogs, but we couldn't get within 10 feet of him. And um, so that was a long, so that was a lot of moving slowly using our happy voices, getting all of our treats, tossing treats to him um, until we were finally at the point where he would jump on bed with us and sleep with us. But if we reached up to touch him, he'd freak out and leave. Um, but oh. so these things all, you know, you have to have a lot of patience to love that work. And you have to take all the tiny little gains as giant triumph. So super satisfying. He is now happily homed. Oh my gosh, I get pictures of him all cuddled up with his family, arms around him, touching him. So he's all good now, but that kind of stuff. So that's, that's not my specialty. I hope to one day be a real grown up and take in those dogs. But right now I do what I think of as the easy ones, which is uh, the puppies and the moms who typically haven't been through too much. Wonderful. Now, obviously you've have many stories in You've had many successes with the dogs that you've helped foster and then find suitable homes. But out of all these stories, if you had to choose one, what would you say was the most memorable experience or memorable story that you've had from, from fostering? It's super hard to pick one memorable one. One, one story I like to tell is about um, 
about Lulu. So there was a mom who came to us and mm -hmm. she was just, oh my goodness, so beautiful, sort of a border collie looking, looking dog. She was the mom and there were all these babies who were ridiculously cute, looked like stuffed animals. Babies got adopted, boom, 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 really quickly. Yeah. And this woman, Kathy, uh, was a friend of a friend, a neighbor, and um, my friend brought her over just to see the puppies, to see the mom and to see the family. And she fell for that mama right there. She's like, this is my dog. She was, um, she lived alone and she had raised her family and she was all by herself in the house for 40 years that she had lived in with her family, but just struck me as a little bit lonely, you know? And mm. her, her own dog had died maybe five years earlier. And she just, didn't know if she could get another one, wasn't sure. And then she walked in and she's like, oh my gosh, this is my dog. So I thought, how great is this? But then I had just gotten this family. Then I learned from the rescue that she, the mom was already promised to someone. And I was oh. devastated. And I, and it was, it was just miscommunication. We were kind of new at working together. I didn't realize. So I had to tell her and I felt terrible. And she wrote me a note. She was like, well, <sighs> maybe I'll think about another dog in the spring. I'm going to need that long to get over it. And that was like six months from that was like, oh, I felt terrible. So lovely young woman comes, takes the dog. She's planning on using the dog as a therapy dog in her school. She's an elementary, she's some kind of counselor at an elementary school in DC. And she right. thinks the kids could really benefit from the presence of a dog, which is absolutely true. And from what we'd seen of the dog, this dog is super fluffy and friendly and cuddly and would be great at that, would make any kid right. feel happy. So we're like, yay, that's a good ending. So she, mm -hmm. left. she left. And then four days later, well, we got a tech, we got started getting some feedback. She returns the dog to me four days later and she looks totally different. She's haggard. She is, this was a beautiful young woman. She is haggard. She comes in and she could not unload the dog and all the stuff fast enough. She gave me all the stuff. Like she had just spent what? $300, $400 on beds and bowls. She just dumped it all. And she just kept telling me how basically what a demon child this this dog was, you know, she uncontainable. Mm. And, all this stuff. and I was just listening to her thinking, wow, okay, because we had lived with her, but with the dog then by for two weeks or something. And she was perfect. She was fine. She's housebroken. She's great. She's fine. So we're like, what? I don't know what happened. But you never want to challenge an adopter because certainly it wasn't working out for her. So so fine. And in the back of my mind, mm. I was like, yay, I can call Kathy and give this dog to Kathy. So I call Kathy. She's thrilled. She takes her home. It's wonderful. And then she tries to go get her mail down the driveway. The dog screams like a banshee. Huh. So she goes back into the house and it turns out that the dog has terrible separation anxiety, which is oh. when they, they, they don't want to be alone. So that is the one thing that doesn't rear its little head in my house because there are too many of us home all the time. And so that part I can't see. And even if we all go, we have other pets at home. So that teacher had had this as an only dog. And now Kathy had this little Lulu as an only dog. And so, um, and, and the other thing that happened at the same time, I mm -hmm. thought that this woman was about 65 because she's she's beautiful and she does yoga and she walks miles every day. So I thought she was like 65. So it turns out she was 80. So we had just given this high energy separation anxiety dog to a woman who's 
80. And so we were just all scratching our heads, you know, is this, a, should we take her back? Like, should we find a new home? And, and Kathy was adamant. She's like, no, I'm going to work through this. And she did. She, it, what, I've never seen anything like it. She just did all the right stuff. She worked with a trainer. She worked with a vet. Um, she, she readjusted her life for this dog and mm. they ended up in fantastic shape. And then she needed to move. It kind of gave her the strength to move to this retirement, to give up that big old house. Do um, you know the work of getting the sentimental, just di uh, very difficult work of getting rid of all that stuff and then moving to a new place. And she just felt like she could do it with Lulu by her side. So that's one of my favorite stories is because it was a giant challenge. I just had to sit back and watch. I couldn't really do anything about it. All I could do was moral support and watching that turn out the way it did was just glorious. Awesome. And firstly, an observation. So it seems like you mistook a woman who's 80 or 65 because she does yoga. Which is, <laughs> totally. That's that's 75. That's 15 years. That's no. So that speaks volumes about, you know, what is possible if you maintain a good lifestyle and do yoga. But it also seems like the dog, there was a personality match with the dog and, and the adopter. So how does a person decide whether or not they'll be able to manage a dog? What are some factors that one should consider yeah. before sort of adopting a dog? So one of the things is that, boy, there are a lot of different kinds of dogs out there and there's almost a dog for everybody. I mean, if you are really not sure at all, you, this is for you and you you don't really have any time and you, you, you don't want it, you just want to sit on the couch and binge watch and you don't really want to be walking your dog get a 10 year old fat lab who, you know, maybe his family got divorced and somebody couldn't keep him. All he wants is a nice, happy place to lay his little head and he'll be thrilled to be in your house. That's worlds different than getting a puppy who, right. of course a puppy is my specialty, but I am just today, I dissuaded someone from getting a puppy um, because it's it will upend your life for sure. And it can be in the most wonderful ways. If you're ready, if you're prepared, if you understand that everything else will take a back burner for a while, it can be incredible. But otherwise, you know, take your time, work with, um, if you're going the adoption route, going the rescue uh, route, you talk to those folks and have them guide you. Explain, don't lie. We laugh about how many people are imaginary hikers. Like if you fill out the <laughs> all these people are always writing about how, you know, oh, we hike and and we all laugh because we know that's like aspirational adoption. Like they picture hiking with their dog. But, but they're not going to hike. Well, the reality <laughs> of their life is that they, they go to work and then they come home and they're tired. So right. the best thing to do is be super honest about what your life like is like now. What do you like? And be honest about it because rescue groups don't want to place the wrong kind of dog with you. They don't want to give a super high energy dog to mm -hmm. someone who is going to be absolutely overwhelmed by that. So um, there are a whole lot of kinds of dogs out there. Um, so if you're at all pulled toward a dog, all you have to do is be honest and start working with people who really know dogs and they will help guide you to a dog that's going to be a really lovely match for you. So for somebody who uh, works a nine to five job and this person actually goes to work, right? As opposed yep. to working from home, uh, is it feasible for them to own a dog? Because they're going to be out all day and only come home in the evening, right? Absolutely. So there is an entire industry 
designed around that. And that is called the dog walker industry. So um, uh, it's, it's, uh, if you have a young active dog, having somebody come in in the middle of the day to give that dog a nice walk is great. Um, and um, what the only thing that's not okay is if you have that job, then you come, then you want to go out to dinner and then you want to go to your kid's soccer game. And you really, the truth is you're really not home from seven to 9 PM. That's really, there's that you really want to not think about a dog that, but if it's really about leaving during the working hours and then coming home and having some energy for your dog, like you are going to have energy to walk, yeah. um, then it's fine. You can also use your neighbors. Like this is the thing. A lot of the time people underestimate the willingness of neighbors to pop in Yeah. And- say, you know, get a little dog that loves themselves. And sometimes that's just like a 20 minute, like take them outside for 20 minutes and have your lunch with them. Like you'd be surprised how many neighbors who don't want their own dog Mm. might work from home and might be like totally willing to do that. And for less, you know, maybe it's a favor. Maybe it's, maybe you pay them, maybe not, you know, who knows? You can work stuff out like that. The other thing that can happen is if you have a playful dog and someone Mm. else has a playful dog, they all need to get their energy out. Uh-huh. Play dates are the answer. So you aren't in that case, you aren't even asking your neighbor a favor. You're offering your dog as a midday uh, drain the energy right. uh, option. So you may have neighbors who will be happy to take your dog for an hour because they'll play with your dog. They'll play with their dog. Everybody's tired. Everybody naps. It's all good. So, you know, you just have to put on your thinking cap basically is um, it is harder if you're gone long hours. So that just means you want to be a little careful about your choices and think through your options for having your dog get appropriate adventure and stimulation and exercise and stuff. But you know, the truth is it's also hard when everybody's home, there can Mm. be kind of a diffusion of responsibility thing that happens. Um, And sometimes if the whole family's home, like right now, it's it's my husband and me and our two grown daughters are here now. Suddenly, it's a gift. We didn't know that could happen. But because of COVID, they're home, which is great. But in some families, that can make whose job was it to walk the dog or just it upsets the rhythm. And maybe somebody allows them on the couch. Somebody doesn't allow them. That can that can be a little complicated. So sometimes being a single person working a job actually is an easy way to own a dog because at least then you have clear um, rules for the dog, clear communication, dog knows what to expect, and it can be great. Well, those are some really great ideas in case somebody who's listening to this podcast right now has been thinking about about getting a job. Maybe they used to work at the office, but now they're working from home and they're like, maybe I should get a dog. Uh, these are some wonderful, wonderful ideas. And I don't have a plan in the near future to get a dog. I do want to get a dog. But if I do, I want I wanted to know what your thoughts are. I've been thinking of maybe a golden doodle or a Shiba Inu. Now, I know that, I mean, I would also... Take a look at some of the dogs that are available for adoption. Mm-hmm. But, you know, do you have a preference between the two? <laughs> so I love all dogs. I don't have a preference between those. No. <laughs> I okay. don't. I don't know enough of those guys to know. Um, okay. So uh, I think one of the things that I would caution everybody is: I think if mm-hmm. you've never had a dog before, you tend to go through the breed books and look mm-hmm. at pictures. Yeah. And pick the dog that's pretty to you. And so my big suggestion is to make sure that you uh, that you 
meet one of those dogs. Meet the dog. Okay. Sometimes the prettiest dogs are like famous, the real dog people know that you have no business having that dog as a first time dog. You know what I mean? So okay. You want to make sure that you check with real people who have mm -hmm. that dog and see what that breed is like. Obviously, because I'm in rescue, I don't do purebreds really at all, but I, yeah. I love all dogs and I train all dogs. Um, so I get to know lots of dogs. So there are definite differences between breeds. Um, and so you just want to do your homework. And again, think honestly about who you are. And if you read that this is the highest energy dog and it should have 10 miles of a run every day and you are a couch potato, do not pick that dog, even though you think that dog is beautiful. Um, and, and similarly, you know, if you've got a bunch of kids and you want a dog who is super welcoming to all strangers because you never want to have an incident, then don't get a dog who was bred to be a guarding dog. You know, so just be smart about that if you're going the purebred route. One thing I want to say right now to anybody going the purebred route, right now, puppy mills are having a heyday because everyone has decided to adopt a dog because we're all stuck at home. And this is a great time to have a dog because you're home. It's a wonderful time. It's a great time to get a puppy. If you thought you didn't have time for a puppy, this is perfect time. But the problem with that is that, um, there aren't enough puppies available necessarily. Mm. And so what's happening is bad breeders see an opportunity and they are going into overdrive. And the reason you should care about that is because the lives that those moms lead aren't good. And I, again, I don't like, to, I don't like to go on to this, this, I don't want to take us down that road, but I'm just going to ask everybody to really do your homework because I have personally seen a lot of puppies this summer who are not coming from a good place because the the people are like, you know what? I can't care right now whether it's a good breeder because this is the only window we have. So we're just going to go get the puppy from no matter what. But you're supporting a really bad industry when you do that. So anyway, that's that's the only thing I'm going to say about that is just check your local rescue. Check on petfinder.com. Petfinder.com is a great resource and you can put in your zip code, put in the size, the gender, the age that you want and guess what like boom it's it's all these wonderful possibilities pop up and it's very fun to click through and see who might be available for you um awesome so those are some good ideas for somebody listening make sure that you consider your lifestyle make sure you consider um the fact that you would want to meet the dog in person and feel the energy, feel the personality, which I think is a good point. That's something, if I do decide to go for a dog, I will definitely keep in mind. Awesome. And, you know, in your book, you write about something really interesting, a phenomena where you say that when a new dog comes into your home, um, it seems like the dog welcome that new dog. Uh, and it seems like the dog know what your intention is. And the fact that there was this one mama dog that came into your home and she was barking out loud initially, very threateningly. And then your dogs, Eli and Rocket and Nala, went to her and calmed her down, almost as if saying, it's okay, we know, you'll see. So what's happening here? So for sure. And that is the magic. That's actually what got us hooked on fostering was watching our dogs rise to the occasion. It is crazy to watch mm -hmm. your own beloved pack and realize there is so much more to them than you knew, even though you already thought they were amazing. So um, yeah, over and over, we have watched our dogs convey 
in a second. What would take us days, which is no, 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 you're good. It's safe here. It's totally fine. So dogs that were, you know, in the car seeming nervous or a little bit upset, and obviously they've been through a lot there, all this wood is happening, all this relocating, and they're just weird and it's shocking. They come into our home and it's like they, our dogs come on out and start wagging with them. And then two seconds later, these dogs are running around our yard and they're super happy and they're just relaxed. Um, the story you're talking about is Mojo. That was our second foster fail. So she was a big barky German shepherd, just like you talk about. And she was rumored um, the report we got about her in the shelter was in fact that she was very growly. She was a mama dog with nine puppies and she was very growly there. And so I did think, huh, what am I doing bringing a big growly wolf dog into my lovely family home? But mm. we did it anyway. And, um, but we were a little bit worried and I'm always a little bit worried about, because I keep thinking our luck's gonna run out because these are moms with babies to protect. You would think that at some point we'd have an issue, but I swear to you with our pack, there is never an issue. And with that particular time, so we had we had Mojo on a leash because you know she was a new dog, we didn't know her. We let our pack come out, Mojo, Barked like the scariest police dog you've ever seen at that. <laughs> and yeah. our dogs, three of them, did not, just didn't rise to that. Like, just were like, oh, hey, girl. And it absolutely is like they had had a chat. Okay, we're going to have to be really nice to the new girl because she's going to be a little bit freaked out, but it's all going to be okay. And truly, I, I don't know if it was moments later or an hour later, everyone was romping together and having a great time. And it's really watching your dogs figure out what this dynamic is Th these guys are temporary we're helping them i swear to you they know that um ah, it's very moving to see it again and again you really feel you feel mm -hmm. friendship and a bond to them that is higher than what was there previously and ah it's very moving yeah, I like that you call it the pack, the spirit of the pack, right? Um, and so I used to always wonder, right, what happens when you have six or seven dogs? Would they end up fighting? Do they get along? But it seems like at least your pack gets along. <laughs> our, our pack absolutely gets along. Um, and the spirit of the pack thing talks about, I do feel, um, so when Tom and I first got together, I had one dog, he had two. Then we moved to South Africa, actually, and we took in a fourth dog as a, um, she was supposed to be a guide dog. Um, the guide dog association was right up the street from us and they needed people to raise their puppies and socialize them. And we thought that'll be fun. We could do that. So we took her in. Oh, we loved her. And we, um, then we had to give her up after nine months cause it was time for her to go do her thing. Right. Uh, however, she got returned to us because um, after two months away, they had to kick the whole litter out because the mom had developed epilepsy. And so they called us and they said, hey, you guys have the right of first refusal. And of course, Tom and I are like, yes, we want a fourth dog. Yes, we want her back. So that four, those four dogs were with us during that exciting first honeymoon phase of our, of our relationship in South Africa and then the birth of our two girls. And we went through so many adventures together and just really gelled as a pack. And I feel that spirit in this house 
every day and particularly working with these dogs who come in. So as you know, obviously dogs don't last forever. And so as that pack, as those members died, we brought in new dogs and it does feel like the old pack teaches the newbie and then the newbie still has remnants of the old pack to then pass on to the next. And then it feels like they pass on that spirit a little bit to each of these fosters. And so the whole thing ends up feeling <clears throat> just like a big tapestry that's all interconnected and it's lovely. So yeah, everyone gets along. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us about what is it about dogs and humans that there's so much bonding and, and connection Um there's, there's a lot of, there's, a, there's been a lot of study about that, you know, and uh, there are, you know, exhibits at museums about that. There's all sorts of um, theories about why dogs have such a special place with humans. And, um, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but I can tell you that, um, I mean, there are a bunch of theories about that, but um, it, they're just suitable companions. We are pack animals and mm -hmm. Um, we can enjoy a lot of the same stuff. I mean, I love cats too. We, we always have cats too. It's different. It's a, you don't do stuff with cats. Dogs are uniquely suited to do things with us, to head out and do things and to play games. And, um, they do respond so emotionally to you, um, to all of your ups and downs, and they are happy to sit quietly with you. They're also happy to go crazy with you. They're funny. Um, there's just so much that we share, and yet it's not a person. So you don't, it's unconditional. You don't feel the funny things you sometimes feel with layered relationships with humans. Instead, it's so much more simple. And a lot of people talk about how when their dog dies, it feels a lot harder than when like their dad died and people feel guilty saying that. But what that's about is the simplicity of your relationship with your dog. It's just all good. You don't fight about expectations. You don't fight about disappointments. You don't, you know, there's no political gap to bridge. You know, there's none of that stuff. There's just everyday enjoyment plus Humans, your dad probably lives somewhere else. Your dog is with you every single day, providing all that companionship minute to minute. And it's so delicious when you have it. And then so when when they do inevitably pass on, it is rough, 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 because mm -hmm. it has been such a deep, surprisingly to some people, a deep relationship. Um, that it kind of socks them. It takes them for a surprise when when uh, they realize how just how much they miss that. I deal with that a lot when people come to um, mm -hmm. a new puppy. There's sometimes um, the old stuff it comes comes up, and I, a lot of people cry in my kitchen because mm -hmm. it brings up. They start to talk about why they're looking for a new puppy, and they inevitably start talking about some pup dog they lost, or sometimes it's even a dog from their childhood. Um, that they're just suddenly having memories of as they ponder mm -hmm. uh, taking this road again and then potentially experiencing loss again too. Um, it's amazing yeah. how many conversations that the acute puppy <laughs> can get you into with a stranger that you really didn't anticipate. Yeah, I think it seems like it's like the cycle of life, right? I mean, just because there's a chance for you to lose the love of your life 
does that mean you don't love again? Right, right. And and the thing is, um, and what I tell people to expect is that there will probably be a moment where you stare at this puppy a month in and you're kind of disappointed. You're like, you're no rover, you know, that you'll, and it, it starts a new bunch of mourning because when you got this puppy, you were thinking, oh, I'll have that again. Well, you know what? You won't have that again. And so it gives you this chance to do that mourning finally, fully for that old dog. But then you're open to actually experiencing this new relationship. And guess what? It is just as great. It's different though. And so it's different. It's just as good. It's different. You never knew to expect it because you Mm -hmm. didn't, you know, and so what we've learned over time, you know, with so many dogs is we just know that we just know that different dogs touch you in different ways. You have different relationships with each dog, different dogs teach you different lessons. Sometimes it feels like a lesson you need to learn, you know, from, from a different dog. So um, yeah, there's a lot to it. Yeah, that's so, so fascinating. Um, the, the spirit of dogs, the world of dogs, and how each dog has its individual personality. If somebody is listening to this episode right now, what is that one action step that you would recommend for, for them? You mean if they're thinking about a dog? Yeah, I guess. Um, well, honestly, if you're thinking about a dog, um, I would go on Pet Finder um, because it can be super fun to play on Pet Finder. Go on there, um, put in what breed you think you might like, the size you might like, where you're located, and you'll be amazed at all the cute little doggies that are available near you and you can start to daydream about them. Awesome. And it seems like one of our live viewers, Maggie, is saying that there's a new dog Tinder app and it matches those who want to rehome their dog without a rescue. Any thoughts? She wants oh, an interesting. <laughs> um, I have not heard about that. Um, you know, I think that could be okay. Uh, it sort of depends, doesn't it, on on the parties involved. Um, so uh, if everybody's responsible and honest, um, then it could be good. You just want to make sure everyone has good intentions. Um, so, I mean, I think that could be great. And it could also mean that your dog can go straight from home to home rather than having kind of an intermediate step that is uh, less desirable. Um, so it could be good. Um, great rescues do great work though. And so um, if you do your research and work with a great rescue, they tend to really know what they're talking about and they tend to have a lot of access to um, good adopters and good resources. So um but that's interesting. I'm going to have to look into that. I also know mm-hmm. there's, there's some new app. Maybe it's not new. It was new to me uh, for finding play dates with your dog too. So you can just, it's kind of like dating for your dog. Um, yeah. If you really need to find a play date for your dog and you don't know anyone, you can get this app. So. So Action Stripe, I hope you enjoyed today's session so far. Today's episode was all about dogs and puppies and the unconditional love that they radiate. Somehow hundreds of thousands of years back, Man became friends with wolves and then they became domesticated. And the beauty about this friendship is that it goes beyond words. Even though a dog can't speak your language, they speak with their eyes and they speak with their tongues, their tails and their barks. And if you get an opportunity like we're learning today, you should consider adopting a dog. But just make sure that you consider your lifestyle, your personality, your habits, as well as go meet the dog in person and feel their energy. 
because as Josh Billings once said, a dog is the only thing on earth that loves you more than he loves himself. So with that being said, we're now at the last round for today, which is the wisdom round. Four questions, rapid fire round style, so that our listeners can take note and take action. So uh, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? So, you know, I, I, I saw, in your show, I know your show does this. And so I was thinking about that. And I, I feel like I haven't gotten tons of like old fashioned advice like that. But the one thing that strikes me in my head was um, when I was in college, um, I, uh, people were pledging sororities and I thought sororities were dumb and silly. And why would I, you know, pick my friends that way? It's kind of fake, blah, blah, blah. And I gave my dad a big long speech about how that wasn't my style. And he just looked at me and he said, so um, tell me who your friends are now. And I listed who my friends are now. And they were all in my dorm. And he was like, so that was just a random group of people that you just got to know. And those are a handful of them have become your closest friends. Why do you think it's so horrible and fake to do it this other way? Like, so his point was, um, there's good everywhere and you need to look and find it and open yourself up to stuff. Give it a try. Don't cross things off before you know what you're talking about and just take a glance at it and say that, no, that's not for me because um, you have a chance to bloom where you're planted. So you go ahead and step in, try stuff. And if you could turn back time and spend one hour with someone who's living or dead, who would it be? So this is a joke in my family because my mom likes to play this um, like at Thanksgiving. And she always tells us that we're not allowed to say Jesus because, of course, everyone would say Jesus. And that also makes my daughters laugh because they're like, yeah, not people I know wouldn't like that isn't necessarily their number one. However, I have to say, I would love to hear what Jesus thinks of what people say in his name all the time now. I think Jesus is really good dude, kind guy. It seems to me that he gets misquoted a lot. And I, I would, I would love to have a great conversation with Jesus and kind of see what he thinks about all that. And what do you do in the morning? Uh, the first thing maybe, or in the evening after, before you go to sleep that has improved the quality of your life. So those things, I don't mean to sound like a one track person, but I kind of am. So that is all about eye contact with my dogs. So both in the morning and at night, I am, there are, there's a good, it can be anywhere from two minutes to 20 where our pack is sitting mm -hmm. together and we are just, <laughs> we're just being, we're, I'm just looking in their eyes. We're just petting. They're putting their heads in my laps. We're just greeting the day like, wow, can you believe we have another day together? And then at night, we are, you know, just doing the same thing. It, I know I sound really boring and that this is all I do, but there you go. That's the, that's the real answer. That's so cool. And also, you know, I do breath work. I'm not sure if you know, but I'm a breath work instructor. Yeah. And my goal is to someday get a dog, like adopt a dog, and then do a session yes. with people along with the dog and then have these beautiful, you know, brainwave relaxing music. And I'm fascinated by how the dog would respond when she or he hears these beautiful vibrations. And when it happens, I will reach out to you. Because <laughs> yeah, I really think that that would be true. And have you seen like dogs will do yoga with people too. They'll mimic that. Yeah. stuff. So yeah, I think they might be all in for that. 
Cool. I mean, I I do these sessions on Zoom. So when my attendees do these sessions and you know they have dogs and cats, and usually the dog will come in front of the camera and try to distract the owner because I think they're not getting the attention, right? So they'll right. they'll go through the owner and, and and jump on them and stuff like that, right. which is always good to see. Nice. Um, but what is that one book you'd recommend for our listeners today? Um, so I always find that like question super stressful. I love to read. I have a, like a giant list and like I, you know, I'm going through to figure out one book, but I, I'm just going to say right now I'm in the mood to say Prodigal Summer by Barbara King Kingsolver. It's an oldie, but a goodie, goodie, but it just talks. It's so much about connection, human connection with the natural world and with each other and, and the joys that come from that. And that's just meaningful stuff. Plus it's just great writing. Wonderful. So Action Tribe, if you would like to receive one book for free, then know that audible.com is offering all our listeners one free credit, which means you get to listen to a book instead of reading it because that's how Audible works. So especially if you like listening to podcasts, you will love Audible and they've got a huge library of different types of books, personal development, motivational, um, you know, memoirs and things like that. And I'm pretty sure that this book might be available on Audible, but you'll have to check it, check it out for yourself. Prodigal Summer, right? Yep. We'll have that in the show notes. And Action Tribe, to get your book, go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. That's my seven is a word, my7chakras.com forward slash free book and start listening to your new book. So Candy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I do a lot of these interviews and sometimes... You know, every guest is different. Um, I felt that you have a lot of experience with being a guest. Like you were like very smooth in terms of, um, you know, uh, sharing and talking and just making the host also feel comfortable and and enjoy the experience. Oh. And I don't share this often, but, you know, I think you've got a wonderful energy about yourself. Oh, thank so. you so much. Gosh, that makes me feel great. I'm not experienced at this. No? And, okay. No. And so <laughs> the thing, like... So I love puppies. I love fostering. I love writing and I yep. love photographs. I mm. did not realize that putting this book together would also mean these interviews. And so I'm just like, wait, what is, what has happened to my life that now I'm doing these interviews, but that mm. so much to me that you said that I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. And so what are you grateful for today and how can our listeners get to know more about you? So I was thinking about that question too. And just what popped into my mind was it's again, just like the books, hard for me to think of one thing. I lead a ridiculous, there's just everywhere I look, there's so much for me to be grateful for. And it reminds me of um, this dream I had back when we lived in South Africa. And I was, um, I was in a plane and the plane was plummeting to the earth. And what was in my mind, what, what bothered me the most is that I couldn't, thank God fast enough for how the great life I had lived. I woke up and I was like, are you kidding me? That's really, but that was my feeling at the moment in the plane. It wasn't, oh no, I'm dying. It was, I have been over blessed and I don't know how to thank anybody enough in this last minute. And I got to say, I still just feel that way. I just, um, there is so much to be thankful for um, all around me. And I, am <laughs> and how can somebody find more about you 
Oh, um, so you can go to my website. It's www.puppypicks, P-U-P-P-Y, picks, P-I-C-K-S, like you're picking out a puppy, puppypicks.com. And you will find all sorts of information in there. There's stuff on the book, so you can read and see if you're interested in the book, which I think you will be. It's a great, it's a great gift for people. It's a pick-me-up. It's easy to read. It's happy. Give it to your teachers. Give it to your, you know, anybody who's needs a little you know if your kid's sad because he's doing online school if your neighbor's cranky give them this up cheer them up um so the stuff in the book there's dog training videos on there so i do i do dog training and and work with people with their dogs and so i make short little videos that they can do at home right now a lot of dog training classes are booked there because they have to be smaller uh, because of covid so it's hard so if you want to get training your dog a little bit these are easy little videos teach them to shake and spin and touch and down and all. just easy little videos that you can click on um, resources lots of dog stuff on there so play around also it's a fun website because there are a lot of pictures of dogs and that is just fun wonderful we'll have the link up in the show notes as well are you active on instagram at all yes so um it's again it's puppy pics but this time there's a dot in between the puppy and the pics it's um puppy dot pics p-i-c-k-s and you, if you go there it's just happy little pictures of puppies so have have fun <laughs> Awesome. So Action Tribe, if you are listening right now, do not delay. As I'm saying this, open up your Instagram. In fact, first take a screenshot of, of your window right now. So take a screenshot of, of that podcast player. And then you go onto Instagram and share it as a story. But before that, tag me. So I'm at my seven chakras and as well as tag Kathy puppy dot pics. Right. So what this means is both of us will be notified of your you sharing the story and we'll share it with our own community. So take a screenshot, you know, tag us and we'll share it because that that's how we can connect. And as next steps, if you would like to connect with our community, our podcasting community, and if you'd like to do some more breath work and learn about yourself, but also how you connect to our universe and the world and go to my seven chakras.com forward slash T R I B E. That's our Facebook group, my seven chakras.com forward slash tribe. And we'll connect over there. So Kathy, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the unconditional love of dogs and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at My7Chakras.com. That is My S-E-V-E-N Chakras.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. 
Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.